Thank you for listening to the Run Lift Mom podcast. What started as a passion project in February 2019 now has over 60,000 downloads and over 400 listens each day. It is amazing, and I know it is because of you, dear listener. I want to thank you for your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. All you have to do is take a screenshot of your rating or your subscription. If you've already done it, clearly this is fair game. Take a screenshot and go to newreleasewednesday.com. That's newreleasewednesday.com. That's going to put you in a drawing for a free Zaya Active outfit, top and bottom piece, valued at over $100. Newreleasewednesday.com. Show me where you have rated and subscribed, and I'm going to get you in that drawing. Thank you so much for making this passion project possible. Welcome to the Run Lift Mom podcast, where we're talking about running, lifting, and momming, not necessarily in that order. And today I've got a two-part episode for you that is squarely in the momming category. Part one is a personal conversation with Emily McCarthy. You guys know her as the co-founder of GoRuck. Guess what? She's also the mom to three kids, and she's going to share a personal story about her youngest son, Ryan, and how he was diagnosed with a sensory processing disorder, and the ironic treatment for it, given the family owns a brand like GoRug. Then you're going to hear me speak with Tiffany Higgins. Tiffany has over 20 years of experience in pediatric occupational therapy, and her background is in heavy work or proprioception. She's also the director of Camp Leap In, which is an inclusive camp in Greensboro, North Carolina that caters to development for kids. Tiffany's going to complete the circle for Emily's personal story, allowing you, Mama, to have a greater appreciation for an area of development you probably never thought about. So without further ado, first, Emily McCarthy's personal story, and then Tiffany Higgins, our occupational therapist. All right, welcome for the second time. I'm thrilled to have you, Emily McCarthy, co-founder of GoRuck. Hi, Susie. I'm glad to be back. It's always a pleasure. Well, I do love your brand very, very much, but I haven't brought you back this frequently just to talk <laughs> about rucksacks. We're actually going to talk about momming or parenting today. Yes. Yes, there's a lot of that going on in both of our lives. <laughs> yes, um, and you've got a very personal story to tell. I'm actually going to link to a blog post um, in the show notes. So depending on where people are uh, listening, they can either swipe up or click details. But I'm going to have you talk through this experience that you wrote about, which Emily knocked me off my feet. It's, um, it's beautiful, and for a lot of moms, it's relatable. Can I get you to start at the beginning and tell me about your son's personalities and then um, when you knew, you know, maybe something was, was different with your one? Yes, of course. It's, you know, it, it's not something that we're ever at a lack of words for. We're talking about our children, right? It's something that I feel like a lot of parents just, we talk about it a lot. We think about it a lot. So, um, you know, to put it into words and share it is, is another like extension of that. So yeah, so uh, Ryan, he's three, and uh, we, we, we call him Wild Man McCarthy. 
And, <laughs> you know, it, he, but he wasn't always like that. For the first two years of his life, everyone was like, oh, he's going to be your chill third baby. He's going to just go with the flow. He was very quiet. You know, Jason always carried him on the front, you know, with the, the baby carrier and took him outside a lot. Um, he, and he was. But something happened when he turned two. It was like he got a memo that he was supposed to be terrible. He, that morning, uh, he bit both myself and my daughter on our behinds, like that morning, for, on his second birthday. And then it's just been downhill ever since in terms of biting and scratching and just difficult behavior. So, you know, starting then as of, and, and up to today, he's just super physical. I mean, okay. just, just more than I could ever imagine. I mean, I have an older daughter. She's eight. I have a five-year-old son. And I already saw a difference between the two, which I was a little bit shocked at. But then Ryan took it to another level. Um, we'll climb anything. We'll jump off of anything. We'll get so dirty that it's just unbelievable, you know? And it's... It's so you're not a rookie parent, but you're <laughs> like, wow, this is a little beyond like, oh, he's all boy. Right, right. So, but that's what, again, conventional wisdom, you know, we were like, man, he's just all boy or he's just, you know, a wild child. And, you know, we, you know, he's just the, the, the third child acting out, you know, needs attention. I mean, we, we ran through every possible scenario and, and we did that for a while and we kind of thought, okay, this is, he's just a biter. <laughs> that's just, that's just what it is, right? This is, this falls into the realm of normal behavior for two to four-year-olds. You know, we did our research, we talked to people, um, you know, all these things. But on the flip side, he's like my most polite child. You know, he will say thank you. He will say please. He was very sweet and loving. But it's almost like you've got this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde version of him. And, uh, and so at some point I was like, this is, this is abnormal. And it was really when we started the socialization, right? Okay. Because siblings don't really count to the same level, right? right? He, they, they get into each other's space. They, they, they fight and whatever. And then it had the two boys, they're 21 months apart. Just, I mean, Jason calls it National Geographic every morning. I mean, it's really like they're just lion cubs going at it on the couch. I mean, it's so comforting for me to hear um, <laughs> as the mother of boys <laughs> as well. Yes. But you're right. Like there's the siblings and then I mean, until a certain age, they're not necessarily cooperatively playing with their peers. No, no. I mean, but, but Ryan did things that my other kids never did, right? Like climb the stairs the opposite way, like in terms of like the, op the, on the other side of the railing, you know, all the way up and, you know, try to climb the fence and then <laughs> jump down. I mean, he also escaped from the house when he was a year and a half, somehow managed to get out and ran to the beach, which was about, you know, we're talking 200 meters away, oh, and just so a diaper and, and one shoe. <laughs> and thankfully, a neighbor found him and brought him back. But it was terrifying because, you know, if he had gone another direction, there would have been a road that would have been difficult. So that, that kind of like probably kicked it off where I was, you know, well, that was just one of the moments where I was like, oh, man, this kid's different. I got to put special locks on the doors for him. But about like when he was two and a half, I started, you know, reading more and seeing how he interacted more and realizing these other, these other kids his age, 
boy, girl, they're not doing these same things to the same extreme level. Right. So that's when, you know, I just started to be, just started to explore on my own, but really everything kind of came to a head during a fall um, parent-teacher conference. He goes to a Montessori school. So he's in a, a class, you know, a toddler class there. And the teachers have tons of experience, you know, over, you know, probably two decades. And she said to us, you know, I just went to a conference and they talked about this sensory seeking behavior and sensory, you know, processing disorder. And that was kind of the first time I had ever heard of those labels. So she said, you know, I'm not really sure what you think about that, but it, it started, it really matched up for me, just sort of this you know, super being super physical, getting very messy, you know, not wearing to wear shoes. So she gave me some materials, which I linked to in my blog. And then I just, of course, started just wanting to read everything on it. Right. And that's when I came across the, I really started to nod my head when saying this, this makes sense. And, you know, it was like, like anything, you know, you put a label on something, it starts to you start to look at it differently. So that's, I told the teacher like, Hey, I think you're onto something here. Uh, I'm going to basically the next step for me was to find an OT. And, and luckily there's an OT that comes recommended that goes to the, goes to his school. So we started that. And I have to say that, you know, it's never linear, but over the last few months, he's biting less, he's scratching less, he's transitioning better. He just today went number two in the potty, which I'm very happy about, <laughs> which was like yeah. a big power struggle for a while that we just ended up saying, okay, he'll, re he'll be ready when he's ready. Mm -hmm. But it was like, it was much more so than my other children. So we, we really, you know, basically we took some outsiders, you know, who I would consider a subject matter expert and mm -hmm. his teacher and combined it with some online research and then, you know, reached out for help. Awesome. So it's funny. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So you think about that time that he snuck out the house. Um, and at the time, it's like, wow, that I mean, it was probably scary enough um, to want to put it behind you. But then when you have the teacher who has observed him in his environment, right. say, hey, here's just an educated something to consider, then all that stuff starts to make a little bit of sense. Yes. So the teacher was telling me before, I mean, that she was doing things at her in her classroom and in the they do spend a lot of time outside in the school and so she would always want to climb up things so we had they had this big palm tree you know with the big kind of like palm things jutting out so listeners they're in florida yeah we're in florida. <laughs> just, just so you know so picture those florida palm trees yes it, but this one wasn't like just the skinny one with the palm fronds this is the one that's a little shorter and stouter but they have like a lot of like part of the bark sticking out. And she said that he just wouldn't stay away from it. And no matter what she said or did, and that she eventually ended up just duct taping the ends of it so they wouldn't be sharp. And he would just climb it every day and sit up on it, <laughs> say he was a monkey or a cheetah. And, and, you know, I asked her if the other kids did it. And she said a little bit, they would just go a couple rungs up. But I liked how she adapted the environment you know, to kind of, you know, extend it for him. And, right. and, as a, and, and since then, she has gotten, because of Ryan, 
she's gotten their playground expanded, you know, so now they have even more outdoor space to work with. I love it. Oh, you've got to love those wonderful educators who really care about our babies. Yeah. So, so that, that educator says, hey, you probably need to see someone and blessedly the occupational therapist, the clinician was also connected with that school environment. Yeah. So um, what did they tell you? Yes. So that was great. I, it started right away, you know, and I actually, he, she did an evaluation with him. I was not present. It is actually sometimes better, you know, if the Mm -hmm. parent's not there. So this happened at school and there was probably a few sessions that happened before the, like the Christmas break. And so I'd actually never met this OT. You just, you know, basically put, got in touch and she said, I have a slot opening. And I just said, let's, let's just give it a try. What's it going to hurt? But then, you know, the holidays come around and she, you know, he goes on his, his holiday break and she says, Hey, I have an opening at our actual office. It would be great to meet you. And, you know, you can bring him in and he won't miss the session. So that's that about, you know, a, a month or so later is when I first got to meet this OT. And, you know, we, we had a, a nice talk, you know, we kind of talked about the evaluation. She explained to me sort of what it meant. And she said, you know, he's behind in a few um, areas developmentally, but, you know, I know if we work through the end of the school year, he's going to be up to speed and he won't have to do this. And I was like, oh, you know, you kind of think like, oh, easy. <laughs> but, but then we got more into, she asked about home life. And I'm like, listen, it, we're, at, we're at this point where it's starting to become disruptive. And this is something to your earlier question. When, do you, when did I start to really see that something was wrong? It started to stress us all out. Everyone was walking on eggshells around him. Our mornings were super hectic. Nothing mattered. If, even if we woke up super early, it, he just was transitioning poorly. And we all were going to our respective work or school stressed. And that, that's when it's like, okay, we really need to, to get some help here. So I told her about that. And when she was talking to me about that, she said, you know, I really recommend some heavy work for him. And, and at, at this point, he's running around her little cool, you know, office with all these cool things to do. And my other child is crying because he's not allowed to. <laughs> um, so I, I'm a little distracted, but I'm like, I keep hearing about this heavy work business, but I don't really understand what it means. What is it? And she goes, well, it's like if you put weight in a backpack and he, he wears the backpack. And I looked at her and I was like, you're joking with me, right? Like, <laughs> the, you know, I thought she must have known about go rock and rocking. And, and, and for I, listeners who haven't heard yeah. Emily's the first time she was on this show, and I will link it below. Yeah. Go rock. I mean, go rock is a lifestyle brand that their bread and butter, you guys, is military grade rucksacks. They yeah. have apparel and boots and all this other stuff that is in the closet I'm recording in. But like <laughs> their bread and butter piece, it's bags you would put weight in. <laughs> It's for rucking. We are the rucking company, right? <laughs> so I, I looked at her like, I think you're, you're pulling my leg. Like you're joking with me. And I said, do you, do you know about go ruck about, do you know what rucking is? And she goes, no, she, and, and it was, she was being sincere. And I, I laughed and I said, I can't believe this. I, I looked at her and I, I basically took a minute to kind of explain Go, what go ruck is, you know, like you said, you know, it's basically rooted in special forces, which my, my husband was a green beret and they, they put, you know, weight in their backpacks. And we basically are the company that's kind of democratized it and brought it to, 
others outside of the military. And we, we do a lot of events. We, we sell a lot of products based on this. And she was like, huh, well, that's great. Then you'll be supportive <laughs> in this journey. And I said, oh, yes, we will. And I, I kind of told her we already do this, but you know, you know how it is. Like we've got this kind of rambunctious kid who wants to play in traffic. So our go-to on a lot of these rocks has been like, okay, he's outside. We'll let him walk in these safe areas. But then, you know, when he's not, when it's not okay, we just strap him in his stroll and he cries and, you know, pitches a fit and it makes everyone miserable. But we're always like, hey, you know what? We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make it through here. But this changed my perspective. And it started to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to like not only just bring his ruck, but I'm going to encourage him to wear it more and to ruck with us. And if he needs a break, he can get a break. I mean, he's only right. three. And, and sometimes I let him bring his scooter. He loves that. But, you know, he wears his little ruck on it. And, you know, there's, there's a difference. Like there's a just, even, even the rucking people, right? We were, we could have done, there's ways that we could have, been doing it a little bit better to fit his needs. So now we still do like our weekly rucks with friends and even around the house, I'll be like, hey, you seem like you're, you need to be grounded and, and let's wear your ruck, which it was fascinating. Both the OT and this other um, friend of ours who's neuroscientist, they said, she, she told me that the ruck and the weight in their backpack, the heavy work reminds them that their that their body is connected to them. This is sort of those neuro neurological pathways, and this is the at the root of the processing disorder. And granted, I'm no expert in this, and I I know that um, you're going to be bringing someone on that is. But the you know this idea it made a lot of sense to me. Like it's just reminding them, right. like carrying something heavy is reminding them. Oh this body of mine, it's connected to me and I should probably be a little bit more protective of it or I should, you know, watch We talk about landing. the mind-body connection. I mean, I know that you are a collegiate runner. Listeners mm -hmm. of this show know that I'm a... We talk about, for anybody, the mind-body connection, but this is another very specific example right. of the mind-body connection. And yes. it's beautiful because it helps the child develop... Yeah. It, not, I don't even want to say nor like in, in his way alongside his peers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, so what do you put in his ruck? Do you put like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to picture like the yeah. little like baby plates or what do you, what do you put in? <laughs> Does he put toys in there? I don't even know. We, we do. Well, first his, uh, water bottle. He has a, a Yeti water bottle because they don't leak and, um, it's pretty heavy when it's full. Like, you know, it's, it's not nothing. And, and then we put in some books or some toys. It's, it really depends on what he wants. We ask him, hey, what do you want to put in your ruck today uh, when we go on? And he'll let you know. Oh, I want my blankie. I want my water bottle. I want my dinosaur. You know, I want my book. And, you know, it's something, right? And I get, this asked, I get asked this a lot. It's like, really, you just need a little something in there. Like these kids, they shouldn't have anything more than, you know, five pounds because that's usually, you know, significant, you know, portion of their body weight it's like a right. fifth of it a fourth of do you it. think he likes packing it like that's part of the experience oh yeah I mean yes exactly so all these sorts of things he just really and all kids are like this they want to be included in the process they want to have a say and you know I 
given him a choice, not too many choices. Do you want a book or do you want a toy or, you know, things like that, or, you know, just to, to direct him. But yes, yeah, so he, he loves the process of that. And again, I, he, we do it, we do like a three mile loop, right? And he can't always, you know, it won't last for that whole bit. He won't rock the whole time, but mm-hmm. it's the parts that, you know, the onset and the process and doing it for part of the time, I can tell it's the behavior has changed. You know, we're seeing him being more part of the group. He's transitioning better. You know, he's, he's more excited about it. He probably feels just a little bit more, like you said, attached to his body and what his mind wants to do and, and understands the transitions better. It's wonderful. And it's a mindset change for parents because as parents, right, we're like, oh, well, let's bring something that he can be pushed in. And and this is, okay, let's be flexible as we're out on our three miles, but let's keep in mind that he can do some of the work as well and it's good for him. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it, not a ton is, it's not not like we had this like overnight, everything changed, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no magic, you know, formula, there's no thing. But the the thing is, is that we're making progress. And now that we know what we're dealing with, our mindset is more intentional, right? We, awesome. we already spent a lot of times outdoor, outdoors. We already spent a lot of time rucking and biking. But, and, and we knew it was good for the kids. But now we know it's like his medicine, you know, yeah. and that we have to do it we have to be just more, you know, disciplined about it, even than we were, right? It's right. not just, it's not like just a, it's a nice thing to do. And it's like, in it, you know, it's good for us to get out as a family. It's really like, no, Ryan needs this. Right. And we will all benefit from him getting that dose of heavy work and being outside and being active. I've had some recent guests on the podcast who have been on weight loss journeys. And so it reminds me that their mindset is also that it's that preventative, like this is something I need to do for my health and well-being. And so yes. now you're in charge of, of, um, of his health and well-being, but I mean, it's really mm-hmm. a very similar mindset. It is. And it's, I mean, look at this. I mean, the other part of this is that, you know, if you can solve your problem without something major, like, you know, prescription drugs, mm-hmm. you know, surgery, you know, like, why not give it a try? You know, right. even if you aren't going to, you know, have a dramatic effect, it's just, you're not going to have to, you know, be dependent on, on another substance or, or have to go into recovery after surgery. I mean, sometimes you don't have the choice. And I, and I realized that, you know, we're, we're fortunate that the prescription of this wasn't just, Hey, you know, give this kid some, you know, this kid obviously has attention deficit disorder and, you know, he's hyperactive and give him some drugs to settle him down. I would have been, I would have fought that because I've seen this kid just focus in on things. It's not that he has a hard time focusing. His problem is different and he really just needs to be, like I said, reminded that his body's connected to his, you know, his head. And, and that's something that I think is newer. I don't know if, you know, when you and I were growing up, when this, you know, it was first like trying to understand why kids had learning disabilities or why they weren't, you know, doing well or why they were acting out. I feel like it was a one size fits all. And now it's, it's really interesting to me. And that's kind of why I shared it because I was like, I had never even heard about these more nuanced, you know, 
processing disorders. And, you know, you, you look at the spectrum of autism and Asperger's and you look at all these things and, you know, you, you say, well, what if it's only a part of this that is similar to my child? You know, everything else is, is matching up. Like he, you know, he's social, all, you know, he, you know, uh, these other tells don't match. So I think it's really important as parents to, to not only, you know, take in good information and good advice, but also to check it out and say, what, what is this? I know my child best, you know, yes. what fits with, with him? What is his behavior like? And I think, I think that's, that's really one of the messages in my blog I wanted to kind of get out is to say, you know, this was a great news for us because yeah. it's helped our family. And it was done in a way that it was not a huge lifestyle change for us. Yeah. It was just a reminder that we need to be more purposeful about this because it actually, he really needs it. It really does take a village. I mean, you know, you know Ryan best, you're his mother. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it takes you having that open mind and then that change agent, the educator, and then the clinician, the occupational therapist, but then also for you and Jason as parents to say, okay, this is the prescription. The prescription is heavy work yes. and we are going to commit to doing that regularly. Yes. That's exactly what we've done. And, you know, it's not just rucking all the time. Like now I make it, I'm intentional about, I come home from the grocery store and I'll say, hey, kids, especially Ryan, come help me bring this stuff in. You know, oh, this laundry detergent's really heavy. I don't know if you can do it. And he'll be like, I can do it. And he, you know, he feels proud. He feels like some, you know, but it, I know it's also it's allowing him to like, you know, carry something heavy and bring it in. And then he starts, and then he's just tuned into me and he wants to know all the things I bought and I'll, you know, help him put things away. And he just feels like a contributing member of our family instead of just being this, you know, kid constantly in tantrum mode, you know, going from one tantrum to the next or, you know, playing by himself quietly until the next transition happens, right? So it's, it's been beautiful that you're looking for those moments throughout the day that to be fair could be done faster, but you're <laughs> making them teachable moments for, right. for him in the realm of heavy work. And so what was so great is that this um, GRT, so a go rep tough parent, um, because we have our own parent um, sort of Facebook group. And that's where I originally put this kind of interaction with the OT in as a joke and to kind of be like, can you believe my own kid was prescribed rucking today? <laughs> but out of it, I got so many great comments and that's what, you know, inspired me to write the blog. But one of these GRT parents sent me um, a list of heavy work um, uh, activities that was actually better than some that I'd seen in articles. Like it was just a little bit more, um, in, you know, full. It was just, it had a lot more it, to it. And and then he told me his story with his child and how they use sand, go ruck sandbags to, you know, lift them up while the kid's practicing his spelling words or doing math problems. And I thought, wow, that's just so great. And it's the same sort of connection, also prescribed by an OT. And I had other OTs in that group, you know, say that they, they, they prescribe it. And so many people came out and said, like, this is kind of why they ruck, because they do it with their kids um, for these reasons. But that list of heavy work, Susie, <laughs> what really got me was that so much of it was the things that we grew up doing or our family, you know, our parents and grandparents 
grew up doing all the time, you know, the lifting heavy things, you know, riding your bike outside, um, you know, you know, just more like you're, you're a kid and you're, you're outside, you're meeting up with your friends, you're going to a sandlot, you're building a fort, you know, there were so many things in there that I was like, wow, this is basically all, all the things we used to do before we had on demand shows and iPads and, you know, AirPods and all these things that are kind of like, or social media that is kind of taking our time. Right. And it just, I mean, listen, my kids have iPads for long lines and long car rides and, you know, even, even when they just need to relax, but it's really an important reminder that they need to be doing this heavy work, you know, Mm -hmm. and this could go, the great thing about it is that what is prescribed for Ryan, my other children can also benefit from. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. It's a really, it's a neat story. I'm so, we're going to link to everything so people can, for example, see your blog. They can see that list of heavy work. I want to also, I don't want to skim over the fact that you went to your community and they met you where you were with love and support and resources. Look, there are people that are listening to this just because they're like diehard run, lift mom. Um, You guys, that that's your lesson. If you don't have someone with a sensory, you know, processing disorder in your life, that's your, this is a parent who spoke up and was met with resources and love. They lifted her up to the point where she wrote a blog and came on a podcast to talk about it. <laughs> we should all be doing that for other moms and other parents. Yes. I can't say that enough. And you know, Susie, you're, you're so great at this and it's really inspiring. Um, you know, my advice that I, I've been trying to take myself and also, you know, watching people like you that are doing this is that it's really important to share your story. It is really, it, I am still getting pulled aside to, the, to this day and, and, you know, DM'd by moms and dads telling me, I read your blog. It's really something that you wrote that. Um, I, and then they share, they share their story, you know, with me and it doesn't have to be on a public forum so much. You can do this privately if that makes you more comfortable. But I mean, I just had a a close friend of mine that I ran track with and she pulled me aside at this uh, Georgetown event and said, you know, I read your blog and you know, we went through the same thing. And I just, if you ever need any, need to know anything or talk about it, I've been through it all. And you know, it's, and she said, I just didn't even know at the time who I could talk to about it, you know, this sort of thing, you know, she just didn't, but now I think it's great. So in addition to that, it's important to listen to podcasts about these kind of things, you know, you get, you get smarter and, you know, when you can't sit there and be looking at a screen, just like, you know, when you're out rocking or, you know, shopping in the grocery store is my favorite time to listen to your podcast. Um, but it's, and just keep sharing it. If it's, right. if it's not online, it's with people in person or, you know, in, or you're taking in information through other means, but it's been really amazing. And I've been th- kind of thinking about like, what's the next step? Like, what's the, what do I talk about next? Like, do I, you know, an update on his progress and where we are now, because it is a journey and it's, it, it's not over yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. We know stories are sticky. We're going to have our (laughs) occupational therapist come on and just hit some points, have a clinician come on and hit some of um, the points and kind of what was happening with Ryan and why. It's going to make for a really fascinating episode. But to your point, Emily, and what I want to close out with, because everyone can use this advice, is stories are sticky. 
we will have the clinician on. And you guys, she is awesome. But people are going to remember your story with Ryan. They won't necessarily remember the formal diagnosis or the prescription for a child with X symptoms. They remember the personal story. Yes. So thank you for, for mentioning just or encouraging us to share our story. Yes. No, it's great. I'm, I'm really happy to do so. And I think, you know, we just need to continue to do this. We're all in this, in this together. Awesome. I did not have a rapid fire for you, but I do want to ask you very quickly. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. What's in your rucksack today? Oh, yes. Um, I can, my laptop, um, awesome. workout clothes. Y'all, she's got, so people can't see that are listening. She's got it right beside her. I mean, it was right beside her. Yeah. Wonder Woman patch, multicam. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've got, you know, a notebook and things like that. But yeah, I always, I always pack workout clothes because you never know when you're going to have that, that open opening to yeah. go for a rock or a run or, you know, maybe a yoga class or something like that. So that, and yeah, it's, I always have it. It's my, I, I don't want to carry a purse anymore. <laughs> I love it. I actually, I went to um, the Zaya Active Summit, which is, guess what? 900 uh, women. Yeah. And I was the only one with a single bag for my weekend's belongings. It was a GR1. Yeah. Um, people thought I was, I had lost my mind, but look, the whole weekend fits in there. Yeah. Thank you for showing me. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Well, I'm glad you did that because it's also, you know, how much easier was it to one, pack and stay organized and unpack when you got home. <laughs> yes. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much. I'm really just, um, thank you for coming on with your story. Thank you for thinking of this show as a platform to share your story. And I'm so inspired by you and what you're doing for mothers and parents out there. Likewise, Susie. Keep up the great work. All right, welcome to the Run Lift Mom podcast. Tiffany Higgins, you are a pediatric occupational therapist, also the director of Camp Leap In. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Susie, for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. You know, it was important to Emily McCarthy and I to bring on a clinician to talk about the heavy work side of things. So listeners have just heard her personal experience with her son, and it's a journey they're currently on. But I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about heavy work. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you would ask me to do this. Um, I've, I have over 20 years of experience, and I started as a, as a new grad really passionate about the sensory processing piece of becoming an occupational therapist. So this is perfect. It's a perfect thing for me to speak to because I feel so passionate about it. Um, proprioception is a fancy word for heavy work, really. Proprioception okay, is a So I'm calling it heavy work, but heavy in work. the OP world, it's called proprioception. Absolutely. And okay. it, it really is just the body's sense of self in space. So it's basically how we know where we are in space. Um, all of your muscles in your body have proprioceptive receptors. And that senses the degree of stretch. So these receptors in our muscle give us all of the info about our physical position space. It provides us the feedback so that we can maintain our balance and move through space. We think of it as a, as a pyramid, as a triangle. At the very bottom of that triangle 
are all of your sensory systems, and that includes your proprioceptive system. That's at the bottom of the triangle. Feed those senses to get the developmental pieces at the top. And at the very, very top is your academics. Below that is your social emotional health. Below that, so it's this pyramid that graduates on up. So if you don't feed those senses at the bottom, if you don't, if you have differences with how your body integrates sensory information, heavy work, proprioception, vestibular, that's not all working, then you're going to see deficits at the top of that pyramid. Interesting. So the example that Emily gave with her then two-year-old, of course, he's a little bit older now, um, but the example that she gave, of course, prescribed to her by an occupational therapist was to put stuff in a book bag and go for a walk. Um, of course, that's an example. Can you give us other examples of heavy work or why would why would that, we joked that it was kid rucking, um, why would that work for proprioception? So uh, that's, that's a great question. I often tell my kids, that's a, that's a very common thing that we will tell um, families to do to help with transitions because it gives that input, that feedback to where that her little fellow's body was in space. If mm. you take your foot right now and you stomp it on the ground, mm-hmm. you get a big sense of feedback, as, feedback excuse me, as to where your body is in space which is where that idea of heavy work comes from. Um, so by putting that backpack on, we're way, basically weighting down his body so that he feels where his body is in space. Um, there are lots of other ideas. I like to break it down into, for proprioceptive, carry, push, and pull. So carry, push, and pull becomes important for kiddos that age. Um, and that can mean pulling, they put a backpack on him. You could pull a wagon around the neighborhood with toys in it. You could push a a shopping cart, uh, carry, push, pull. Um, A lot of hammering. We do a lot of hammering, like at our summer camp, because it's a sensory camp, we take golf pegs and hammers, and we hammer them in the the dirt outside. even nails, and if you get to an older child who's eight, nine, ten, or eleven, you know, using real nails, even five or six. Um, but golf pegs, there's ways to grade a lot of that activity. Yeah. Um, so carry, push, pull are great. Okay. Then you can move into household chores. Lots of household chores that provide heavy work. Um, carrying laundry baskets, wiping off the tables, uh, washing the car. So it doesn't have to pushing be. Pushing a vacuum, could that be one? Yeah. Okay, Perfect. Pushing a vacuum. I love that you're giving us examples for different ages because it sounds like this same rationale or the same, um, I, I don't want to say rationale, this, this same proven method works at different ages. Absolutely. And I think, I think the thing is to remember, well, and let me, so household tra- yard work is great for older kids, lawnmower, um, yeah. raking, a lot of that type of stuff. And then also sports, mm-hmm. moving into that sports arena, swimming, mm-hmm. karate, martial arts. Martial arts and swimming are two of the best because they are not, especially if a child struggles with some of the proprioceptive system, because they're pretty individual. Mm-hmm. A lot of times what happens as children get older, they struggle with the social emotional piece and the confidence piece. 
So plugging them into sports that if you don't have to work as much on that and it's more individual, can be individual, like something in martial arts becomes really great for body position. And when you're in the pool, you're getting so much input from to your proprioceptive system. Love that. Love that so much. So when should, Emily went through her personal journey um, and when, um, for example, the biting was a signal that she had Mm -hmm. um, and then just observing her two-year-old alongside his siblings, when would you recommend maybe a parent listening if they, if Emily's story resonated with them and they were like, oh, uh-oh, when when should they seek a OT? Well, that is a, that is a great question. And I think... So development is a wide spectrum. We know this. But I I think that parents, as a clinician, I always, and I firmly believe that parents really are the expert of their own child. So I think that a lot of times their gut is not wrong, that something is amiss. It may not end up meaning that it's a sensory processing disorder, but I think, you know, when we're talking sensory processing disorders, there's a wide range. There's modulation, there's discrimination, there's dyspraxia. There's a reason that there are clinicians out there and it's to help them move through this. So I think, A, they should follow their gut. Um, if there's one thing amiss, like let's say your child doesn't like tags on the back of his shirt. Okay, that's not a huge deal. You can cut that tag out. That's one area. We all have a sensory system. There's adults who don't like tags. You know, there's adults who don't like walking in the sand. But I think if if you see a trend, if you see some atypicalities persisting that seem a little bit off from uh, your other child or maybe some of the other children you're seeing him play with at the playground, then I think if it starts to interfere with his or hers ability to engage in those typical daily life things that kids would typically do, then I think it's time to reach out. Early interventions, it is important um, because early diagnosis leads to that early intervention. And it it can help with the social-emotional um, aspects in a family. I think a lot of families suffer for a period of time because they don't get that early diagnosis and that early intervention. And it really impacts, it kind of can throw the whole family into chaos. Yeah. I mean, Emily talked about the teacher, his preschool teacher, being able to say, hey, you should speak with someone about this. It Listeners know that I'm a triplet mom, so I have 30-week triplets. They had a lot of therapies to include OT. Right. Um, but we knew that was coming because of their, uh, you know, the they, they were preemies. Um, it's hard when it's the day-to-day. And then, to your point, it messes up the family's route. I don't want to say messes up, but that it disrupts the family's routine or that it's just a little bit off from what you would expect. It, absolutely. And I, it's interesting. So I, both of my children were uh, preemies, born early at 32 and 33 weeks. And of course, sometimes ignorance is <laughs> not knowing things, but I was like, ah, neurologically, they're going to need this, 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 this. Well, in fact, it was true, you know, and they were both very different, but um, both of my kiddos had some differences in their, in their, in their sensory processing because neurologically they didn't develop in the, you know, they, they, 
they had to do a lot of that outside of the womb. And so um, it, it does, that, that's one of the biggest things I notice is that it, it can impact, it, it can improve the family life. Mm-hmm. Way to say it. When you have that support, I also think it just validates the parent in some way that there is something a little bit different. And like I said, maybe the child doesn't end up being diagnosed with a sensory processing deficit, but I think it's worth going and, and looking at. Um, and, and like I said before, it is a pyramid. So if there is a deficit at the bottom with uh, how they're integrating, or I don't even want to say deficit, a difference, if there is a difference as to how they are processing that sensory information, it is highly likely, the data shows, it's going to impact their development up to the top of that pyramid. So by doing that early intervention at the bottom, we can help with the social-emotional of the child, the overall confidence of the child, the overall academics later on. So, you know, that's important, too. Um, I love it. I want listeners to hear you say, trust your gut, and mm -hmm. early intervention is best. In a worst-case scenario, you take the child to an occupational therapist and the OT says, nope, nothing's wrong. That's a worst case scenario, you guys. Right. If they are diagnosed with something, if I'm understanding you correctly, given that pyramid, it's a game changer for later in life. Absolutely. And and I don't want to also be, to say, oh my gosh, for listeners who might have a 10, 11, 12 year old, oh no, I missed this super important window and now what? Because Older children can benefit from a later um, diagnosis of sensory processing differences as well. The difference is that early intervention piece, our brains have more neuroplasticity. So, you know, getting in there and treating a two-year-old, three-year-old looks a little bit different because of that plasticity and the gains that can be made from a neurological standpoint. That does not mean a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old, and even an adult can make changes and have changes. Um, it just, a lot of times, that moves more from direct changes to the neurological to more of coping, uh, coping strategies, uh, really learning how your body works, what your sensory system looks and feels like, who you are, and then strategies to cope with that from a social-emotional standpoint. So any child at any age really can benefit from that. So if you're a parent out there who has a 12-year-old and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing these red flags, still go and get that evaluation. I love it. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I'm going to put um, the information for your camp below. Um, I appreciate someone with two decades of experience and a passion <laughs> for sensory processing. We have a mutual friend, um, and I. when she said, I have the perfect person for you, now that we've spoken, I know exactly why she said that, and she's right. You were the perfect person to speak to this. Well, thank you. She's had to hear me go on and on and on for years about <laughs> movement and and heavy work and all of these things that I think children need and are not getting enough of. So um, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily and Tiffany, for coming on the Run, Lift, Mom podcast. I'm going to put these ladies' information below. So depending on the player you're listening in, you can either click the hyperlink that says details or swipe up and you'll be able to connect with them online. 
Listeners, I hope the themes here were very clear. Number one, support other parents. Think about Emily's personal story and how she was supported in this journey. And then number two, ooh, we got tactical with Tiffany and you got those heavy work examples. If your child or someone else's child in your circle also has a sensory processing disorder. And until I get into your earpiece again, remember, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That's from 1 Timothy 4.8, and this has been the Run, Lift, Mom podcast. Thank you for listening to the Run, Lift, Mom podcast. This began as a passion project in February 2019, and now, you guys, it is legit my favorite thing to do each week. Record with the guests that come on Run Lift Mom and then share their knowledge and expertise with you. I love this. I have done a lot of things right with this show. The thing that I've done wrong, I haven't asked you to rate, review, and subscribe enough. You guys, this is how other people find the show. So please do me a solid rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for being a listener of Run Lift Mom. You guys, I'm thrilled to announce a new partner on Run Lift Mom, and that is Audible. I've been an Audible member for over 10 years, and my favorite part, hands down, It's the gift of time. I use the free app to take notes as I'm doing my long run and I hear something fantastic and you are going to love it. If you want to try Audible free, visit audibletrial.com slash runliftmom. That's R-U-N-L-I-F-T-M-O-M. Again, for a free trial, visit audibletrial.com slash runliftmom. Hey, Run Lift Mom listeners, if you are here for business or entrepreneur type topics, I want to let you know I have a new show. It's called Serve Then Sell, and it's available on 10 different channels, including Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. The idea here is not to just lump in the business topics with running, lifting, and momming. I want to create more of a separation. I hope you will come hang out with me over there. Again, the name of the show is called Serve Then Sell. Enter that into any search box and you're going to see it come right up. We'll be running, lifting, and momming over here. I hope you'll still hang out. Check in over there if it will be a blessing for you.